Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. So one of my most favorite games when I was a kid growing up, uh, I loved gathering as many kids as I could from my neighborhood, and we get as many. It didn't matter how old or how young you were. We got them all together, and we would play outdoor night games. My absolute favorite were those amazing games we'd play at night where we'd, we'd all go home. We'd have to go home for dinner, of course. We'd go home, and then we would find every black item we could wear because at night, if you know about night games, you can't wear like white or red or yellow because they're going to find you. So we would all wear the darkest clothes we could find. And let me tell you about growing up in the 80s. Uh, growing up in the 80s and 90s, something that you never did was wear your school clothes or your church clothes to play in. Never did that because those were your nice clothes and then you had your play clothes. Now your play clothes, now and I'm a dude, right? So we're like, oh look, jeans ripped, right? So, so as play clothes, our play clothes were clothes that were designated for play. They could be muddy and tore up and they were just all jacked up because we're, we're running around and playing games. And so one of the things about our play clothes is that you, if you wanted to be successful at night games, needed to somehow manage to get black or really dark, maybe navy play clothes. So we would go home, and the kids who did manage to have this, we had our clothes that were all dark, and those who didn't, like when you played night games, just, stuck, just stood out like a sore thumb. Like you're like a beacon. Even in the middle of the night, we could see you. Like there's that one kid running around with like white clothes, right? And then if you dared, now this is just the fact of this time, if you dared to wear nice clothes because you know, these are my nice black jeans, you know, and you wore them, and those were your church clothes, man, that, I didn't see you for a month because mom was not happy with you at that point. But we would wear all dark clothes. We'd get our, our play clothes, and then we would go out and we'd play these amazing games. Now, let's see if you remember some of these, some of our uh, old school people in here. Uh, one of my favorite games, Kick the Can. Kick the Can. So you would, you would go and hide. Everyone would hide all over the place, and in the middle of the street would be this can. Now, this is when, like, coffee, and this is my mind because I didn't drink coffee at that time. I felt like coffee came, like, in these huge tubs, like big, huge aluminum tubs, like Folgers cans, right? The kind of stuff your grandma put all, like, her needles and buttons in and stuff, right? So we would play uh, Kick the Can. You'd get this tin can, and you'd put it in the middle of the street, and then there were people who were it, and they would go around, and there was the people who were trying to stop the other team from kicking the can. And by kicking the can, it means your team wins. If you get tagged, now you're on the it team, and you're trying to stop the other offensive. And there's nothing like the glory, nothing like the glory of being the neighborhood kid who came in and pelted that can, because you would hear it reverberate through the whole neighborhood, ta-ting, ta-ting, ting, 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 and to an uproar of all the little eight, nine, and ten, yeah, like because they won, right? Kick the can was such an amazing game and made you an instant neighborhood hero. One of my favorite games, but my ultimate, ultimate, ultimate favorite game, all of the games I could play was flashlight tag. Now, flashlight tag, if you are new to this game, uh, same kind of premise. You have the people who are it and the people who are not, but this was more sleuthy. This was trying to last for a certain amount of time. Could we stay hidden for X amount of time? You pay maybe 30 minutes or so, whatever the time frame was, 
and there'd be a person who was it, and they would have a flashlight. And this flashlight, maybe you had two people who were it, they would go around, and instead of having to tag you with their hand, all they had to do was flash you and say your name. Now, y'all who played flashlight tags, you know there were the cheaters who were like, Susan, like you didn't see me, right? You just yelled a name, right? But the, when you play legit, you would flash the person with their flashlight, and that's all they had to tag you with. They had to see you with their light and call your name. And so when you got tagged, you'd have to go to jail. And so there was a designated jail area, super old school. Remember what we used to call the place that was safe? Ghoul. Anyone ever call it ghoul? Yeah, you know, right? Right, so we were in jail. <laughs> I was like, oh, memories. Um, so you would be put in jail, and, and jail, the only way you could get out is if someone was able to break through the line, not get caught, get to jail, tag somebody, and everyone would yell, jailbreak. And then everyone got to scatter again to try to hide. Oh, my word, did I love this game. And I would play with a fervor like no other. I'm super over-competitive. Uh, you probably picked it up even how I give my messages, but um, full of energy, super competitive. And I remember one time in particular, I don't remember a ton of stories from my childhood, but I remember this so clearly. We were playing flashlight tag, and it was a big, big game. And we were all hiding, and I grew up where there weren't a lot of lights. We weren't in the city at the time. I was out in New Berlin, so we didn't have like street lights, so it was dark, right? It was dark, dark, dark. And so we were running around and just having such a great time. And my friend was on to me. My friend was on to me. And so he was, he started like, he kind of knew where I was. And I took off, but he couldn't catch it. It was me. And I just took off running as fast as I could. And I'm bobbing and weaving, you know, and I'm thinking like, I'm like the man, you know, I'm like, I'm dive rolling under like bushes and stuff. And I'm, I'm going to get away from him. And I'm running as fast as I can. And I know that I had lost him. And so I'm running full bore. I look over my shoulder. He is nowhere to be seen. And as I do that, I run square into my neck into a tree chain. Now, if you don't know what a tree chain is, the trees would be planted, and sometimes I needed some support, and they would have chains that would go from the tree out to make sure it grew straight. And so I, just, I didn't see the tree. I didn't see the chain. My neck took me out, and I was full feet in the air and landed on the back of my head like just stars flying. And so I'm choking and coughing, and you're out. They could care less. Could care less. I'm out. There's so much that, that I love about that time and that period. There's so much joy to that. And one of the joys of the game that was so cool, I think, for us as kids was the unknown. Because as children, like so much of our life is so much, it seems kind of like right in front of us, and we're kind of directed how to do things. But there's a mystery to the night game. At, at night, it felt like we were being naughty or something. Like, parents are inside, we're outside. It's 9 o'clock at night, right? We're playing games, we're hooping and hollering, and we're in the night. In the night, it was something where things could hide, and things, we could be like sleuthy, and, and we could, some of us even cheated a little bit, right? Because it was nighttime. And the thing that we loved about it, it felt like we were free. But at the same time, what we aren't considering is how dangerous it is at night. When I'm running around as a little seven, eight, nine-year-old, I'm not considering the pothole that my ankle's about to drop into. I'm not thinking about the fact that there are tree chains and that there are real legitimate dangers that are out there. I'm not thinking about the unknown of what I can't see because I'm so enthralled with the idea 
of what's happening around me. I feel so excited and alive. Dangers don't seem real until my neck is taken out by a chain. Then all of a sudden, the game isn't fun anymore. In fact, this is a really, really dangerous thing. And in darkness, so much hides. Because in light is such a key to our existence. We don't think about it till we get to February, January, February. And I remember on the news, this was like a week ago, I think a week, week and a half ago, they said, this is the last day. I was like, oh, thank you so much. This is the last day that the sun is going to set before 5 o'clock. And I'm like, oh, I am so happy. Let there be light, right? And like the sun is out today and this glowing orb in the sky. I remember you, my dear sweet friend. And the light is so encouraging. But when we get into those dark, dreary, gray days where like everything's that gray-white and then you look in the sky, it's gray-white and it does it for 17 weeks straight. Light is such an important piece of us. I, I think about what it would be like to continually live in darkness. Think about this for a second. If you always were in the dark all the time, all the young moms and dads right now with Legos, you know what I'm talking about, right? The dangers of walking in the dark, the dangers of the corner of your bed, the dangers of who lurks, lurks around the corner, the dangers of what's there because you can't see. If we can't see and our perception is gone, all we can do is feel and use other senses to try to find what is around us. But light exposes so much to us, both good and bad. And without light, we don't know the dangers that are lurking around us all the time. And so today we're going to dig into a passage that's going to work through this idea of how love and light actually are brought together. And that these are two key elements for us in our faith journey that when we look at this, we're going to find that through our love, that God's light is now reflected through us to expose things that are hidden in the darkness. So we're going to dig into our passage today. It's 1 John chapter 2. Uh, those with Bibles and Bible apps, uh, 1 John chapter 2, also be on the screen behind me here. 1 John chapter 2, 11 to 17, uh, John is speaking. And as we've heard, and if you've been in this series, we're hearing John is this uh, just loves this idea of love. He's a loving brother. He's speaking of it often and is exposing Jesus as this person of perfect love for us. And here he is once again. He says this, verse 7. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. I'm writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there's nothing in them to make them stumble. But if anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in, they, and walks around in the darkness, they do not know where they belong because the darkness has blinded them. I want to go first into the first two verses because it starts with something that you're supposed to know. You're supposed to know something. And we're never going to go into a Bible passage or scripture and assume that you know what's going on because we're kind of getting dropped into a story here. So let's go right to our first two verses and let's start to explore what is John trying to explain to us in this passage. Verse 7, dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have, you've had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard, yet I'm writing you a new command. 
Its truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. So this passage is being written to believers, specifically to people who have acknowledged and have accepted Christ as their Savior, their Messiah, his disciples, his people. These are the ones who are all in and following the way. He says this, you already know this, so I'm not going to necessarily repeat it, but we need to repeat what's he talking about. Because there's a command that was given that they were already known. So when they came to Christ, remember, the way that they learned the ways of Jesus is that they had to be, it had to be repeated back to them from the disciples and the eyewitnesses. And so the importance of the disciples in the early church was huge because the disciples were the ones who were saying, I walked with Jesus. I listened to him talk. This is what he said. And so John is one of his 12 disciples who's like, I've walked with Jesus. I know him. Uh, and this is something that he said, I've taught you guys this. You know this. But this is something that he is referring back to. This is the old command that these believers would have already known. John chapter 13, verse 34. Jesus says this, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. So early on, we're starting early on in the story of the movement of Christianity, the movement of these new followers of Jesus called the way early on. And this new movement of people, they were very focused on the very simplicity of what Jesus was teaching, which was this. Jesus Christ died and rose again. The resurrection was the key to the conversation that they were all having. That, that proof of the resurrection, which the disciples would say, we saw him, we walked with him, he came to us, he is alive, we are eyewitnesses, and now he's sent us to go and make more disciples. So eyewitness accounts, we were there, we saw it. And so when they're teaching this, and that now these are the things that Jesus taught us that we are to teach you. Because when Jesus left, on the mountain, he goes, he gives a directive to his disciples. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything that I have taught you. So that's a big thing that if you've heard that verse, we don't think of. They have to teach everything that Jesus taught. And so Jesus taught, if you follow me, you must love like me, and people will know you're with me if you love each other. So my love is transferred to you, your love transfers in between each other, and this is how people will know if you're a follower of me. It's how you love each other. Now, I state the obvious, that we sometimes really are not good at this. Sometimes we do very good. Sometimes we do excellent at this. But this seems to be a message in the year 2024 that's getting a little more thinned out, is our love for each other. It doesn't take much. It doesn't take long to jump into some Christian forum or some Christian conversation to see how much quote-unquote love we have for each other as there is just really harsh conversations that are happening. Like, there's no way you love God if you do that. Like, you're terrible. All these like, what are we, what are we doing? Because Jesus commanded a new command, love each other as I've loved you, now you do it to each other, which is absolute and complete sacrifice. Give everything for each other as I've given for you because the world's going to look and say, that looks different. This is the command that these believers would have already known. They would say, okay, hey, we know this. This is no big deal. Okay, you taught us, John. John taught us this. This is an old command. What's crazy about this, though, what's crazy about this passage is that Jesus, when he says this, he's in the upper room, which means he's going to 
his la- the last supper before his crucifixion. He says this after Judas, the one who betrayed him, just left the room. He makes this statement, shares a little bit more, and then he tells Peter that he's going to deny him three times. So as Jesus is saying, I want you to love each other and love as much as I've loved you, he's been betrayed and going to be betrayed again by his friends. And it's sandwiched in between a story of absolute friend failure. Think about this. Jesus is being betrayed and failed by his friends, his disciples, the people he's poured his whole life into, and he says this, I want you to love everybody the way I've loved you. Now, I'm okay with relationships. I think I'm a decent friend from time to time. Don't ask my friends. I think I'm decent. And in my friendships, if you wrong me, I'm not about to say to you, hey, uh, I just keep loving people well. If you wrong me as a friend, my heart hurts so deep, and my first response is to protect myself from people and from you, and my first response is to pull a knife out and say, like, if you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you back. And my first response is not love, it's actually protection. But why is Jesus in the middle of hurt? I mean, he's hours away from being beaten. He's hours away from being tortured. He's hours away from going to a cross saying, hey, guys, I got one more thing. I need you to love each other really, 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 really well. That's what he says. The mastery of Jesus, if, if you ever think that Jesus was just an ordinary guy who walked around and wasn't the son of God, we're missing so much because he was not perfectly human, perfectly God at the same time, and is showing us something that we can't comprehend. Because that takes the work of God transforming us to be able to love in the middle of that darkness. How do you love in the middle of darkness? And that's exactly what Jesus is commanding. In the middle of darkness, love. In the middle of the worst time of your life, love. In the middle of the time where you think everything's ending and there's no hope and there's no tomorrow, love. You never stop loving and I'm about to prove it to you all right now. Unbelievable. Unbelievable what a masterful teacher Jesus is, even to the waning moments of his life on earth. He still is teaching and showing this beautiful tapestry of his ministry because, like I said, I'm not about to be the dude as you're about to hurt me. Like, okay, I love you. Let's, let's forgive. That's not who I am because I can't even comprehend that. And I want to be that person. But in my flesh as a human, it is impossible, absolutely impossible. Because Jesus says this, and we go back to his, his, what he was teaching, again, what the, the apostles and the, what they would have shared, is that Jesus says, if you love me, you're going to obey my commands. If you love me, you're going to obey what I've taught you. And if you love me, you're going to go do what I tell you to do, and I'm telling you just to love each other. Like, I want you to love. If you love me, you're going to love each other. Catch that. If you love me, you're going to love each other. If you love me, you must love each other. Because your love for each other is going to reverberate through a world that's dark, that doesn't make sense, and that God love that you have for each other is absolutely going to change the world. But this is what's happening is that inside of this, this is an old commandment, but there's something new I'm adding to this. I'm not changing what he said in verse 
in his verses that he shared there in 9-11. He's not changing what is being said. He's saying, look at this. It's coming true. It came true in Jesus. It already came true. And now this type of love is coming true in you because Jesus is transforming you. Think about this beautiful piece of passage right here once again. And we look at it from the concept of what John is saying. He says this, verse 8, yet I'm not writing to you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Jesus is already doing this. He's done it. And now as you love each other, look at, not look at each other, look how great you are. Look at how great God is because we don't have the capacity to love people. I don't have the capacity to love people. I'm really good at loving people that love me. Like, oh, you gave me a present. I love you. Heart, right? Like, I can do that. But when you harm me and I love you, when there's wrong and we love, when we struggle and there's wrong, when we don't agree doctrinally and we love, and all these love moments that bring us together, and, and I, I keep fighting for that, that's the spirit of God in me. It's not Jason. It's literally Jesus. And so when Jesus says, when you reflect love, you're reflecting me. You're bringing me into the darkness. Because love, love is a world changer. Love changes everything. Everybody wants to be loved. Everybody's hungry for love. Everybody dreams of being loved. Everybody wants to be wanted, needed, cared for, accepted. Everybody has this desire to make a difference in the world and be valuable. Everybody hopes that at the end of their days, they've made a, distance, a difference in something in their existence. We all want to be a part of something. And Jesus says, you're a part of something bigger than you can imagine if you just love each other. It's, the, it's such a low bar, but it's going to cost us so unbelievable much. Well, unlovable. Do you have any unlovable people in your life? Because I do. I mean, there are some people that are just hard. They're just hard for me. Some of it's personality. Uh, some of it has to do with hurts. Some of it has to do with, man, I just don't connect with that person. I think of some past stories of my story, my existence, of people who've hurt me and harmed me, who've attacked my family, who've attacked everything. I, I just think of these people. I'm like, man, <laughs> how do you love the unlovable? How do you love someone who spits in your face? How do you love somebody who nails you to a cross to kill you for something that you didn't do, wrongly accused? And then how do you love somebody as they're mocking you and making fun of you? You look down from it and say, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. That's, that's Jesus. And that's the point of what this passage is. Through the power of Christ and Christ alone, this is where this love comes from. So when we're connected to the master, love now becomes our advocate now becomes our story, now becomes part of our journey to now we push it out into the world, into a world even to the unlovable. Even though we struggle, even though it's hard, we keep fighting for love. Let's keep working through our passage today. In verse 9, it says this, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there's nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. 
John now picks up our analogy of light. And this analogy of light in scriptures, we see this used quite a bit. If it's a little bit confusing, let me explain it to you. Uh, God is often used as an analogy or picture of light. And this light shows his openness, his honesty. He has nothing to hide. His purity, his perfection. Light represents his morality, his goodness, his holiness, his righteousness, that there's no blemish, there's no darkness. This light permeates and gives life. So we see this quite often, this light analogy being represented in God. The opposite of this is darkness. And in darkness, we see in the darkness is where things hide. There's deceit, there's sin, there's death. So to make a very practical story here for you as you process. Darkness and sin. When you sin, do you hide or do you tell everybody? So now at the count of three, I'll confess what you just, I'm just kidding, don't do that, please. When you sin, you're not boasting about it. When you sin, and most of the sins that we commit, if we're going to be real honest, are in a secret, either in our mind, or no one knows about, no one's going to find out, it's not a big deal, right? And then in that sin, this thing in the hidden, we now try to cover it with dirt, it's no big deal, I deserve this. No one needs to know, and then we pat it down, and that seed begins to grow. And as that seed grows in the darkness, it's a weed that chokes you out and kills you. Because the more we do it, the more weeds that we start planting, it's not a big deal, it's in the hidden, nobody cares. But if those things were exposed, let's just say, just put out there, let's just say you're just talking to somebody online and your spouse doesn't know, but it. it's just a friend. And so it's not a big deal. It's hidden and it's not exposed and it's not going to hurt anybody. And you tell yourself these stories. But if you were exposed and came home and told your spouse, hey, I just want you to know um, I really like this person and I have, I, I'm having an emotional affair with them because they're really awesome and you're kind of boring. You know what's going to happen. So you don't tell her. You don't say anything because, well, if I say anything, then I'm going to be exposed. And if I'm exposed, then I'm going to lose everything. So we use our hidden darkness to cover up for all of our sins, to get what we want, even though we know that we're killing ourselves and killing others. Because sin hides. Sin hides. Sometimes, and it's a rare occasion, we'll see people in our culture who are just blatantly out there flying out there and could care less. Not because of lack of knowledge, because they don't care. Those are called sociopaths. They're out there and just like, I, you are worthless to me, and I, I mean, I am the top of creation, and I, you're nothing, you're beneath me, and those are the ones you see the mass murderers and the mass sinners, I don't care. The average person, though, you all have hidden little secrets right now that you're hoping, dear God, I hope nobody finds out about, but the Lord God Almighty knows. And so you think that you have this hidden closet that is just between you and you, but really, the Lord already knows. And as that tension fills inside of you in the darkness, this is the beauty of who Jesus Christ is. He already knows, and he's so madly in love with you, as messy as you are already, and that's the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's asking us to come to the light, to expose it, so that we can get it out of our lives to repent, because it is choking us out. As the weeds grow, it's choking out the good in our life. It's choking out all of the good growth in our life because as these weeds grow, they're killing us and there's no way to stop it unless we repent. 
and go out of the darkness into the light. And so John brings this analogy to us and says, listen to this, friends. You say that you're in the light, but if you hate somebody, if there's hatred in your heart, if there's this dark bitterness, I can't stand that person, hatred in your heart, you think you're in the light, but actually you're in the darkness. And in the darkness, things are going to take you out. In the darkness, we think we're safe there, but you're not. In the darkness are potholes and tree chains. In the darkness are so many dangers, and you believe that you are, that's not a big deal. I just can't stand Susan because blah, blah, and gossip, gossip, gossip. And what's happening now is it's ripping your heart apart because God is about love. It's not about that hatred. So you think you walk with the master? The master doesn't hate. The master loves messy you, and he loves messy Susan. So who are you, my friend, to think that you can hide and hate people? In fact, it's quite the opposite. You must love. You fool yourself. And in the darkness, you're walking around. You think you're on the right path. But as you're stumbling around in the darkness, you are going to trip and fall, and the weeds are going to choke you out. Because that's what darkness does. Now you're thinking, Jason, this is a really intense message, and I don't hate anybody. I'm so nice. I go on Facebook, and I say I like everyone's posts, all the Christian ones. And I go on Facebook, and I make sure, I, oh, happy birthday, here's my gift. And I'm, I'm very kind, and I'm very nice, but, you know, I just, I don't care for John. He's just not my favorite. And then you get a little twitch in your eye about John. And you say, I don't hate. That's a big monster word, but I want to go back to what Jesus talked about things. He says, if you even have something dark in your heart about a person, it's the same as murder, which means this, if you're harboring anything in your heart, there's darkness there that you must bring into the light. If there is a darkness in your heart, and we're going to just talk right now about people, towards somebody in your life, it is darkness. And John's saying, dear brother and sister, hear me, you cannot live this way. It is not good for you. It is not good for your ministry. It is not good for your walk with our master. Because if you say that you don't love somebody, you're going to get choked out, man. You're in the darkness. You're about to get tripped up. You're about to fall in the hole. Hear what we're saying. You've got to get out of this situation. Because if you do not get out of this situation, you are going to be fooled. And when you sit before Jesus Christ, your life is done. You're like, how did I do? Ta-da! And he's like, what are you talking about? I came to save Susan and you hated her? Are you kidding me? Like, that's my child. You hated my kids. I saved you from all of your mess. Here, let me open the book. Thump. Let's go through all your dark places that you tried to hide from me. I knew about. And you hated. Why did you hate? Because hate does not change the world and advance the gospel. Love does. Love changes the world because my love is the gospel and your job is to share love and change the world. Now, we're not talking about personality preferences. I'm not talking about, ah, we just don't click. I'm not talking about that and you know that. I'm not letting you off the hook this morning. I haven't preached for a week. I had the flu last week and this is what you get. I'm in bed for one week and now it's a two-hour sermon. What I'm saying to you, my dear friends, 
is that when we harbor the darkness in our heart and pretend like nobody knows, whether it's hatred, whether it's a secret sin and all this stuff, it is destroying you. And you, then you ask the question, why don't I have a close relationship with God? Maybe you should ask him that question. I'd say open your closet and let's see what's inside. Let's open it up. I know it's terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. It is terrifying to write a message like this because I had to do it. And I sat there and I started thinking through people in my life and names were just flying on the top of my head. I'm like, oh, I don't want to forgive that person. I don't like them. And I started thinking through people like, oh, I do hold something against that person. And I started putting all these names and I'm working on this. This is, it's terrifying and hard, but it's freeing. I'm tired of being a captive. I'm tired because Jesus freed me. He's opened the cage. I can be free of sin. I can be free of this, free of guilt. But why do I keep sitting in darkness? Bring it all to the light. But I want to talk real talk for just half a second here because there's some real talk. Real talk. There is a lot of people in this room who've been a Christian for some time. If you're newer to the faith, uh, hopefully you haven't been there yet. But I'm going to talk to people who've been around church world for a while. People who've been around church world for a while, if you've been around us long enough, you are going to be hurt by Christians. And in my experience, some of my deepest hurts came from people who said that they're believers. I've had my family attacked. I've had terrible things said about me. I've had lies brought about against me. I've had people trying to get me fired. I've had people who, <laughs> my goodness gracious, Literally, nearly started a fist fight in an elder meeting. Not here. We're good. Um, I have I've sat through and seen things where I tip my head, and it get really easy to grow a hard heart. But we have to remember this. Christians are trying to be like Jesus. They are not Jesus. Let's stop blaming him for his kids. You can't blame me for the things my grown children do. I did my best. I raised them. I did everything I could. You can't blame me now. Like, I did my thing. I'm still guiding. But the fact of the matter is, let's stop saying Jesus is the problem. and Let's start saying our lack of being actually following him is the problem. And so the people who acted out like this, they're trying to follow him, but they're missing the boat. But I do too. So then when I look at the story and say, you know what? Maybe we're just all kind of messed up and we need to kind of reboot and if we all came into the light, maybe we would all look a little bit different than what we do right now. So for those of you who have those church shirts, listen, brother, sister, I hear you, but that's not Jesus. Jesus is Jesus, and we're just trying to get this right with him. Because this is what I want to say. Hate grows in your heart, and that's on you. Hate grows on your heart, and that's on you. What was done to me, I have the strength and ability to respond the way that I choose to respond. No one can make me do anything. And my response, and if I grow hatred, that's on me. That's on me. Because Jesus never promised that there'd be some perfect environment where we're all going to get this right. What he said is love really hard people. Love everybody. Just keep loving. Jesus knows what it's like to love hard people. Jesus knows what it's like to be ridiculed, made fun of, and murdered. Jesus knows what it's like to have your friends disband you, but he chose love. 
And so in the same way, love each other the way that I have loved you. So clear, so obvious. Let's go back to verse 10 again. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light. Here's the positive. And there's nothing in them to make them stumble. There's nothing to be afraid of. When we love, there's nothing to hide. Like, I have nothing to hide against you. When we love well, I'm in the light. As I'm in light, I'm exposed. And when I love, you're like, I, I just love you, bro. Like, there's nothing to say. I'm not worried about the things that are going to entrap me or mess me up. There's not a seed of hate that's starting to grow. When I just love, I'm not afraid because the light is shining. I'm like, oh, let's not run into that tree chain. That makes sense. I'm going to go around it this time because I can see the obstacles and the pitfalls that are around me and I can avoid. There's nothing to hide when I am in the light. But on the other side on verse 11, but anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. Hate absolutely cripples a follower of Jesus Christ. Cripples. Why don't I have a close relationship with God? Why do I feel like I pray and he doesn't hear me? Why can't I grow in my faith? Questions, questions, questions. I'm just going to ask you this question. Uh, what's in your closet? What's in the darkness? I'm not saying it's an if-then. I'm just here to guide you as your friend and your brother. I'm asking the question, maybe it's you that's keeping the relationship away from God and not him from you. Maybe it's on you. Maybe you've got this darkness you're trying to hide from him, and today is the day he's saying, brother, sister, friend, son, daughter, hear me. Open your heart up. Let me go inside the closet, expose what's in the darkness, and be free. And there's hate inside of you that you've got to get rid of if you're going to follow me. If Christians simply live this one verse, this one verse, we would change the world. If Christians in America lived out this one verse, I am not afraid of the election. I am terrified as a pastor of what's going to come in this country last year. And if you haven't been aware of what's been happening across the country, minister after minister is quitting because they're done with all the fighting. They have become so exhausted of what's happening with American Christianity. And I'm here to say, I'm not quitting. I'm fighting harder. We're going to love each other. I don't care who you vote for. I don't care. I don't care who you vote for. I don't care any of that stuff. Just love. I don't care what your thoughts are on certain things. Love. But their denomination believes something else. You know what? Just love. We can disagree on a lot of stuff, but love is the command of Jesus. You're called to be a disciple and follower of Jesus, and we love. And then we can disagree. Because if I disagree with you in love, like, we're cool. We're not screaming and spitting and red-faced and angry and church-splitting and running pastors off and people running from the church. If we just love first, maybe the rest will work itself out well. Love. Year 2024, I'm challenging our church family, and I'm challenging everybody I know. In this year, we did not do this well last time. Can we love really well this time? Can we try love? Can we try to care for each other? 
Can we try to think what would Jesus say in this moment? Can we try to minister to people the way Jesus would? Like, can we be his actual disciples in 2024? Because imagine what we could do to change the world that way. In my experience, I have not had a person say, I don't, I don't follow Christ. I don't follow Christianity because, uh, I've never heard him say, I don't follow because of how much someone loves me. I hear them say, I see Christians, I want nothing to do with it. I wonder if it starts because of our hearts and the darkness that we're hiding inside of things. That's this hatred, this rumbling, this frustration, this anger that's hiding inside of us. And today's the day to be all open, to expose it, and to let it out. And so today I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Both here and in our YouTube channel, and our podcast, I want to give you moments to do this. Simply this, I'm going to ask you just right where you are, just get comfortable for a posture of just prayer and reflection. Whatever you're comfortable with is totally fine. I'm going to ask you to just pause from your life and pause from your thoughts for a few seconds. And as this passage has been going through or working through this message, I know thoughts and feelings have been coming up in all different ways. Maybe it's people that you thought of that you are holding, harboring something against. Maybe Maybe you're thought of like, man, I haven't been loving well. Maybe you are the one saying, God, I, I, I don't have a relationship with you. I don't see my faith. I, I need help with this. I, you are all in different journey, spots on your journey of faith, and I just want to open this door for you to say, let's pause. Let's turn the light on for a second. And so I'm going to guide you through a series of questions and actions as you process I just want you to process, does hate have you in some form in the darkness? Begin with this question as you go to a place of prayer and processing and contemplating with our God and our Savior. Simply this, God, please speak to me. Am I holding hate in my heart for anyone? And now take a moment to listen. name came to your mind, a person, a group of people, a situation. Confess your heart to God. He's already there, friends. There is no darkness in him. But you can bring this now to the light. Confess this to God and ask him to forgive you. Ask him to heal you.
Next. Simple prayer. Lord, please forgive me for not loving this person or these people the way that you do. What can I do to love like you? Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering for service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world, visit us at mosaicwi.com.